what's going on, everybody? Happy Thursday, and welcome back to Gadget Reason Radio, either via Anchor FM or through the podcast, however you choose to listen. My name is Sean, I'm your host, and today we're gonna be talking about how to buy a 4K TV in 2017. And I was originally gonna call this episode the anatomy of a smart TV purchase, because really what we're talking about is what is the best way to arm yourself for going out and making the investment in a new 4K TV upgrade? And, you know, buying a new TV in, you know, in 2016, 2017, and going forward is becoming a much harder thing to do. It's becoming almost as painful as buying a new car. It's a pretty significant investment. There's a lot of tech and specs and features to break down and try to understand. The real problem comes though in the fact that even with things like the internet at our disposal and lots of ways to do research, a much more important factor to consider is exactly how do all these specs, features, and other things related to buying a TV fit into your specific use cases, your specific needs, and really understanding the reasons behind all these specs and why marketing companies and television manufacturers think these specs are important enough to put on the side of the box or to get TV review folks to talk about or you know to put in their commercials. So there's a reason why a lot of these specs are the things that get decided to be a focal point and understanding those reasons and exactly how those reasons apply to you in your specific TV placement, your living room style, your um, the type of content that you watch is really going to be a bigger factor than the quote unquote, this is the best TV or this is a better or worse television. I think the problem with a lot of the TV buying guides that you typically read or a lot of even the TV reviews that you can find online is that they usually come down to ranking TVs pretty much by price. The the best TV is typically going to be at the top of the list. And while that might be true, you know, on paper, it doesn't always apply to each specific person's use case. So In this episode, we're going to talk all about the breakdown of how to arm yourself with the best information that's the most relevant things to consider when looking to buy a new 4K TV in 2017. So many people start their search for a new television by typing in something in a Google search like, best TVs of whatever year we're looking at, 2017, or best 4K television. And the problem with doing this is you're going to start going down a rabbit hole of finding lots of reviews and lots of lists of specifications and breakdowns and you know details about televisions that are not always going to translate necessarily to your specific setting, your specific living room, viewing conditions, etc. And what I think a lot of people end up doing is reading a lot of these top tier specs for the most expensive or the best televisions. And then when you come to grips with the fact that that's not really your budget, and you start looking at the TVs you can afford, and then going back and comparing those specs to the quote unquote best TV that you found when you did your initial search, you're going to start to feel really disappointed and let down that the TV that you actually can afford doesn't meet anywhere near the specifications of the TV that was listed as the best. And there's so many problems with this you know, philosophy or this method of trying to figure out what TV to buy. 
And we're gonna start, I'm gonna break down, you know, basically all of these in this episode, but I wanna start with what I think is the most important way to decide on a new television. And that is, of course, with the size range. Now, obviously this may sound really obvious, but let's look at the specifics around choosing the right size for a TV, because it's not quite as simple as just, you know, I want the biggest screen that I can possibly afford. It definitely is a little bit more complicated than that. The first thing you have to consider when thinking about the size of your television is your budget. So figuring out the budget can help you really get an idea of the size you can afford in conjunction with you know the type of features that you're looking for and the other things that to consider like the size of the room that you're gonna be viewing the TV in most of the time. Now, that brings me to the next most important thing to consider and that is viewing distance and room size. You know, believe it or not, there is such a thing as having too big of a screen. You know, take it from a guy like me who was coming from, I, I once had a 90 inch screen set up from my projector in a room that was about 10 feet wide. And while it was sort of thrilling at first, I have to tell you that sitting that close to a screen that large, um, it allows your eyes to be able to resolve every little artifact or imperfection in the content that you're watching, whether that's from a video game console or a movie or Netflix or whatever. Any little compression artifact or any kind of banding and, and anything that you can typically see in a television that, that looks unsightly is gonna be much more obvious when you're viewing a humongous screen from a very close distance. And that's not to say anything about the next train. When I had this setup, it was it was fun in a way, but when you start to realize that you're pressing yourself as far back against the couch as you can possibly get to be able to see the entire image without having to crank your neck or turn your head, it, it becomes a little bit ridiculous. Um, so there definitely is some benefits to choosing a size that's just big enough but not getting to the point where it's too big for the room size. The next thing you have to consider is whether you're going to do HD or 4K. Now, obviously it's 2017 and most content, you know, moving forward is going to be pushing into 4K. So, you know, my recommendation would be, you know, most of the time to buy a 4K TV, but if you're only buying, let's say a 50-inch screen, um, and you're gonna be sitting typically 15 feet away, then buying a 4K TV makes a lot less sense in that scenario because at 15 feet away and 50 inches, 4K details and, and uh, all the benefits of a 4K screen are gonna be much harder to resolve at that distance. Your eyes are just not going to be able to get all of the appreciation of that, that 4K content, that extra detail. Now, conversely to that, getting a 70 inch screen at 1080p in about the same viewing distance would also be a bad idea. You're going to be able to see um, a lot more of the artifacting and a lot of the imperfections in image quality when you're looking at that large of a screen from that same distance. So it really is a balancing act between features, resolution, and size. Really the one thing to keep in mind is that 1080p didn't all of a sudden become horrible just because 4K is now available. This is not like comparing you know, old standard definition to current 1080p or HD television technology. That was such a huge and tremendous leap for so many reasons. We went from a four to three aspect ratio to widescreen. You know, we jumped tremendously in terms of resolution. I mean, we went from, you know, 540p to 720p and then very quickly to 1080p. And, you know, the difference in that quality was just leaps and bounds. And so this is not that type of scenario. Going from 1080p to 4K don't get me wrong, it is definitely noticeable in the right situation. I just think it's important to know that it is not, um, it's not like your 1080p television that you have now all of a sudden just looks like crap just because there's this other technology out there called 4K. 
So choosing the right size is definitely something to start with, and you really have to weigh out all of those different factors. Now, my, my personal recommendations on size would be that if you're sitting in a room where you're gonna be typically about 12 to 15 feet away from your television, and you do want to go 4K, then you should probably be looking at screens of about 65 inches or, or larger. So 65 to 75 inches would be somewhere in that range where you're going to get the benefits of 4K even though you're sitting you know, relatively far away from the television. So now that we have a good baseline for determining the size of the television that we wanna buy and kind of figuring out where that lies within our current budget, let's get into the meat of things. And that's really learning to understand the lingo and the tech term behind all these modern televisions. Understanding the current tech trends in televisions and the reasons why or how they all affect you as a consumer is so, so important to getting the most out of your purchase. Buying a new TV is a big investment and you're probably going to have this television for the next several years. And so it's understandable that people wanna make a smart buying decision. Sometimes the problem is that we can actually get um, over-educated. If you do a lot of research on televisions and you start reading all these articles or all these different reviews, you're gonna hear a lot of specs and a lot of numbers and a lot of things that are gonna kind of scare you and you're gonna see numbers and start comparing them and you're gonna start to think, well, this number is certainly better than this number, so I definitely don't want you know this, this other TV over here that has, you know, a rating of 80 and this TV has a rating of 97, well, gosh, I don't want the 80. So try to avoid the best and better type terms. You know, they don't always equate to a good buying decision for everyone's specific preferences. A big part of remembering what goes into a television review is as much as we like to think that any tech review is unbiased, there really is no such thing because every human being is affected by their own personal preferences. Some things are going to look better or be more important to one specific person or, or reviewer over another. And then that's not to say anything about, about the built-in brand loyalties that we have. And brand loyalties are definitely going to um, affect certain people's opinions. You're going to be predisposed to, to wanting to believe certain things that it's very difficult to turn that part of our brains off. So avoid the trap of you know wanting to be on the winning team. I think that's really where this whole fanboy epidemic really stems from and and it's really um, one of those things that's kind of a pet peeve of mine is that people will just uh, start to get to a point where they are defending whatever side they're on, whatever purchase they've made till their dying breath, even even with, even with when faced with facts that really can't be argued and with total disregard for the fact that they're speaking about their personal preferences and their preferences might not be the same as yours or mine. You're gonna see a lot of terms like HDR, premium HDR, ultra HD, OLED, QLED, quantum dot, and a whole ton of other marketing terms. Don't rely on online reviews or, God forbid, a salesperson at a retail store to guide you through all of those and make the best choice for you. It's important to understand that a lot of marketing terms overlap and different manufacturers use completely different names for the same exact feature or the same exact specification. There's also a ton of tech trade-offs that come down to both personal preference as well as tying into some of those things we talked about earlier. 
As you start doing your searching on the web and doing some research about what 4K TV to buy, here's a few things you're gonna stumble across and we'll get into more detail on these in the next segment, but you're probably gonna see a lot of Samsung TVs popping up in higher end reviews. And that's because Samsungs have a super bright peak brightness level and very saturated colors. So they tend to fare pretty well in terms of overall image quality as well as HDR performance. Vizio M series TVs and some other Sony TVs actually have a fold display technology, which is a full array local dimming which improves contrast and compensates for lower peak brightness levels so they tend to sometimes fall a little bit lower on some people's reviews or ratings also different tvs handle upscaling of non-4k content better than others so if you have a 4k television any non-4k content is going to have to get upscaled to fit the full size of the display so you have to consider how much non-4k content you plan to watch and which tvs do a better job of scaling that content now, when you have a bunch of expert, geeky tech reviewers doing a review or breaking down TVs by a rating system, of course, they're gonna use a lot of things that some people or a majority of average consumers are not ever going to fully appreciate. They're gonna talk about everything from things like gray and black screen uniformity, HDR overall peak brightness levels. They're gonna talk about gradients and the difference between eight and 10 bit panels. Um, I mean, the list goes on and on. They talk about white balance and pre and post calibration color accuracy and uh, getting into the specifics of how well they actually scale the different content and, and color gamuts. And there's gonna be so much information thrown at you. And if you don't understand what all of those different specs or numbers mean, you could really be confused into thinking one TV or one TV brand is either much better or much worse than they really are. So now that we know a little bit more about all of that, let's break down some of these specs and really dig into how or why they might affect your purchase negatively or positively. Now, expert television reviewers use a lot of highly calibrated tools to get really, really granular in digging into the performance of each individual panel on one display over another. But most average consumers are not going to appreciate most of these specs or most of these tests that are applied. And it's really just a few of them that really matter more than most others. And you can see this for yourself if you go to ratings.com or artings.com and you look under the picture quality setting and you highlight the little question mark next to picture quality, it will give you the breakdown of what weighting they assign to each of the tests that they use to give a TV its score. And when you look at that weighting, it becomes really obvious that there are certain things that matter to overall picture quality much more than others. And the things that matter the most are the contrast, which gets a weighting of 11%, as well as the overall 1080p upscaling engine. So how well the TV scales 1080p content to 4K gets also a rating of 11%. And then there's a few other things that get like a seven or 6% rating and most everything else falls down to like one or 2%. So when you start looking at that weighting, you can see that the gap between a, let's say, highly rated television of a nine or higher score on their site and a TV that gets a rating of an 8.8 .8 is very, very narrow. There's not a huge difference between them. But let's take a look at a few of the very specific ones and a few that I think are things that don't get talked about enough. So for this example, I'm gonna be using 
rtings.com and using the comparison side-by-side -side comparison tool to look at a few TVs that were released last year around the time that I was shopping for my current television. So I'm comparing the Vizio M series, the Samsung KS8000 series, and the LG UH9500. These are all 4K HDR capable televisions that were all comparable in price of around $2,000 to $2,500. Since we know contrast carries such a heavy weighting on the perceived quality of a screen, let's talk about why contrast matters. Basically, contrast means the overall difference between the brightest that a screen can get and the darkest that it can get. And this is what makes colors pop off of a screen, which is why when you go to your local you know, Best Buy or whatever, and you look at the TVs on display, they're usually displaying a lot of bright colored objects on dark, dark backgrounds. And this is because Anytime you show an image like that, it's always going to make the television's contrast look better than in typical than in other typical scenes because you're basically going to see those colors jumping off of a dark background. And when you're viewing these in a bright retail store, you're not going to get to see a lot of the light bleed that comes from having edge lit displays bleeding some light into the areas that are supposed to be pure black. Now. Samsung tackles this problem by having the highest overall peak brightness levels of just about any TV on the market. They are extremely bright and they do this to compensate for the edge the edge lit backlighting display technology that they use and to sort of trick your eye into not noticing the light bleed that's creeping into the dark areas of the screen. Now Vizio goes the other direction. Vizio does not have particularly high peak brightness levels, but instead they have a fall display technology in a lot of their M series televisions. And this means that it has individual sections and depending on the size of the television depends on how many of those sections you'll have, but those sections can be individually turned off, which means that if you have a scene where a good portion of the screen is supposed to be black or very dark, those lights will either be dimmed or turned off and the rest of the lights that are controlling the brighter or foreground objects or let's say an explosion will be turned up to their maximum. So because the darks are purely black and being turned completely off, it by default makes the bright areas of the screen look that much brighter. So different technologies used to create the same effect. Now the other specification that gets a pretty heavy weighting in TV review sites is the ability to upscale content from 1080p to 4K or, or from lower resolutions to 4K. Now in my experience and in my research, most televisions these days have about the same score in terms of upscaling 1080p content to 4K. I mean, that's what these TVs are designed to do and the technology is pretty well established at this point. However, some TVs do score better than others when scaling lower resolution content such as 480p or 720p. Now how important that is to you is really gonna be determined by how much older content you intend to watch. Now for me personally, I don't really watch anything below maybe 720p on occasion, but really 1080p is pretty much my standard viewing experience and then obviously 4K. So I really wasn't too concerned about that, but if that is something that's important to you, that's something to keep in mind. Now, when comparing modern televisions, a lot of the specs and tests that these TVs get put through is to determine how well they handle HDR content. Now, some of the specs that we've already mentioned do have an effect and a bearing on HDR performance overall, but there's a few others to keep in mind. So contrast definitely plays a role in the HDR performance because like I said earlier, that's gonna determine how bright brights get compared to how darks the darks can get. So that's obviously going to have some impact on HDR performance, which is basically 
creating that high dynamic range or that high variation between brights and darks. Now, the other thing that plays a pretty big role in HDR performance can be the overall color gamut of the display. Now, a lot of newer HDR televisions or premium HDR televisions are what they call 10-bit panels. Now, the Vizio that I purchased and the one that I'm using in this example is actually a 10-bit panel, but apparently only has 8-bit processing. Now, the most likely reason for this was that Vizio is probably recycling some of the panel technology from their more expensive P-series televisions, which do have 10-bit processing and 10-bit panels, and wanted to keep that price difference and the feature set separated enough to justify people purchasing one over the other. Now, something that you don't hear talked about very often is that Vizio is using what's called frame rate control, or FRC, to compensate for that processing. And the best way to explain frame rate control would be it's very similar to what upscaling does for resolution, but for HDR capabilities. It basically takes the color capabilities of a television and spreads it out over different frames. So basically taking every other frame to display different colors that were missing from the previous frame to compensate for a panel not being able to display the full wide color gamut range in each individual frame. Now in real world use, this means that it's very hard for the average person's eyes to tell that it's not seeing a wide color gamut image. And I can speak to this firsthand because most people that have come over and seen my Vizio TV in, to watch a movie or to watch something that does have HDR metadata in it. So something on, let's say Netflix, for example, it has a lot of HDR content available right now. And you know, most people are blown away by the image quality. They can see the difference between HDR and non-HDR. And when using the Vizio M70D3 with something like the Xbox One S or the PS4 Pro to display HDR gaming, it definitely looks amazing. And I've shown this to people, both comparing it with HDR on and off, and most people can definitely see the difference. So even though the spec differences between different televisions can look pretty drastic when comparing some of the HDR specific features, it's worth mentioning that the full array backlighting of the Vizio, as well as the high peak brightness of the Samsung, can both be used respectively to create a really dynamic looking image and really great overall picture quality. So those are some things to keep in mind when you're looking through specs and reading reviews and you're talking to a salesperson at Best Buy who's telling you to just go with the Samsung because it has the overall highest peak brightness levels. It's worth noting and thinking about that those peak brightness levels may not really come into play as much in your particular viewing experience. Now, you would think that retail stores like Best Buy or Fry's Electronics or wherever you shop for TVs would want to display TVs in a way that made them look the best. And that's actually usually pretty far from reality. Um, some things to remember when viewing TVs in a store are, number one, manufacturers often pay a premium to pick where their television gets displayed and specifics about how it's showcased. So what kind of content and where the image or the signal source is coming from that's being displayed on that television. And with all of that control, they can have a lot more say or a lot more power over how good that demo of that television is going to look. So that's definitely something to keep in mind when you go to that end cap and you see that brand new Sony or Samsung TV being highlighted, um, you know, they paid for that and they're, they're having a lot more control over that experience that the viewer or the customer is going to get. Also, retail lighting is usually pretty crap and it's pretty much nothing like the lighting in most people's homes. I don't know many people that have, you know, 
15 rows of super bright fluorescent lighting above their head in their living room. And this plays a pretty big role in how those images look. As I mentioned earlier, in a super bright room, you're not going to be able to see the light bleed that's happening from one display to another, covering up or, or bleeding into some of that black edges of the screen with that backlighting leaking through. And because of that, usually the images that they display in retail stores have a tendency to have a lot more pop to them than they most likely are going to have in your actual in-home viewing experience. The other thing is that brightness, saturation, and contrast are usually all maxed out. They're trying to make everything look as loud and as poppy as possible. And you know, in many cases, this doesn't really create the best image. And, and in my experience, if you dig into the settings in most televisions in a retail store, you can typically find that they haven't really done anything to try and even make these TVs look good. They kind of just put them on display and then pump some content into them and then that's it. Another thing to remember is that in many cases, the signal being sent to these televisions is being split, you know, a thousand times. You know, they've got a one, one box or one item displaying the content and it's being split into a signal that can be delivered to, you know, 150 televisions. And that means that depending on where a specific TV falls in that chain is going to affect how good that image quality is for that specific television. So keep that in mind when you're looking at and comparing TVs side by side. And lastly, salespeople in retail stores don't know jack. I mean, in 90% of the cases, when you talk to a salesperson, they're typically regurgitating the same marketing speak that's listed on the product tag right in front of the screen. And, and it's kind of like, well, thanks, buddy. You know, I, I could do that myself. I could read a tag. And in many cases, they only know what their own personal preference is, and they've fallen into a lot of the same traps that consumers do. So relying on a salesperson to give you really good feedback or advice, that's going to give you the best, the best experience when you get that TV in your home is is not a reliable way of, of shopping for a TV. Um, and, and in a lot of cases, they give very contradictory advice to some very specific things that I know to be true. And so for that reason, um, I always get kind of a, a little bit of a chuckle when I hear these salespeople talking to some poor bastard about, you know, giving him advice on the TV to buy. And it's and it's like, I just want to jump in and say, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about, trust me. And I try to avoid doing that in many cases because I think it's kind of a, a jerk thing to do to a salesperson. But the truth is, is that in many specific cases, they don't really know a lot more about the tech behind what's going on in these TVs than I do. So educate yourself on the specs and know how those specs and how those specific features are going to play into your personal enjoyment when you have that TV in the exact viewing location that you know you're gonna be using it. And you know, that's the most important thing to know. So when you put all this together, in my specific case, the Vizio M70D3 was the best purchase for me. And that's because I was coming from a 90 inch projection screen and I was going into a bigger room than that 90 inch screen was in. So going all the way down to a 65 inch screen would have felt really small and cramped for, for my eyes. That's just what I was adjusted to. And being that I wanted to stay in that 70 inch size, I knew that I wanted to get a 4K TV. I knew I wanted to have an HDR display because I knew I was gonna be using it with my Xbox One S, my PS4 Pro. I had a lot of, uh, I knew that a lot of new shows were coming to Netflix and HDR, and I wanted to be able to enjoy that HDR content. And even though I knew the Samsungs had a better overall peak brightness level, to my eyes, the Samsungs look a little oversaturated and a little bit too bright, and I typically turn a lot of those settings down anyway, which is gonna kinda negate the fact that they're even there. And so when I took that into account with some of the 
benefits of the full array local dimming on the Vizio, I decided to go with the Vizio M7D3. Now, that's not in any way an endorsement for the Vizio. If you're gonna be putting a TV in a room that's much brighter than my living room typically is, or if you have some other factors that might determine why another television might be a better fit for you, that's exactly what this guide or what this episode was trying to give you the tools to decide. You know, the Vizio was just the right choice for me. It doesn't mean it's the right choice for you or anybody else. So I hope that this episode helped anybody out there out who's looking into possibly buying a new TV for football season or is just trying to decide if now is the right time to buy a new TV. If you guys have any questions or comments, leave them here on Anchor or hunt me down on social media at Gadget Reason. If you want to leave a call in and ask me a specific question um, about a choice you're trying to make, I'll be more than happy to get more specific with you. And uh, yeah, that's it for this episode. Thanks for listening. If you uh, loved the content on here, favorite the station and tweet it out to some people and let them know. Thanks for listening. I will talk to you guys later with the tech download. Download.